he sucks and he'll always suck. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words, you disgusting little animals. Listen, if if I could give you some insight into how many times we've started this podcast tonight, you wouldn't believe it. Seven. So we have started <laughs> this like podcast, seven times. I think, seven times tonight. Uh, the Titans get it done. They stroll into Foxborough and get a victory. So this is your Football and Other F-Words victory, uh, playoff victory podcast. I'm afraid, I don't think we've ever had one of those. I don't think we have not had one of those. No. Yeah. No, because the last time the Titans got a playoff victory, we were not recording yeah, yet. Yeah, I don't think we were. So it, this is our inaugural playoff victory podcast. First annual. Welcome. I'm going to spoil it for you right off the bat. Mike Miracles is not here. You can go ahead and turn the <laughs> podcast off. Titans get a win in Foxborough. We're going to get into that. The offensive game plan. Rashawn Evans came alive. What is the value of this win? The age of Tom Brady and uh, Bill Belichick. We'll, uh, we'll bat that around a little bit. Uh, who was it overreacting on Twitter? And why are we going to go off yeah. on them? It was Jeff Schwartz and uh, Tom Gower overreacting on Twitter to everybody else <laughs> overreacting, which nobody was overreacting. They were just reacting. Jeff Schwartz specifically responded to me, said I was moving the goalposts. We will discuss about that. Titans and Ravens. Is it still a rivalry? I kind of have a feeling we're going to we're going to stir up some shit with that little topic. How are the Titans going to stop the Ravens? Is that possible? And what? Winning and losing means for this team in particular. Let's get right into it. Titans go into Foxborough and get the win. Offensively, it was not what we have seen over the last several weeks in in the passing game, I should say. Uh, I think it was Mike uh, that pointed out at some point, if you had said that Corey Davis and uh, A.J. Brown were going to get targeted once for four yards and the Titans <laughs> win, I think you would have called me a liar or, you know, you would definitely be saying that you're lying. I definitely would have called you a liar and I probably would have had people come pick you up. But it was all done on the back of Derrick Henry, which honestly is not a huge surprise to me. What was kind of a surprise to me is how early and how easy the yards did seem to be coming to Henry. He immediately started gouging him for four and five yard runs. And it was awesome. It was kind of your old school, late nineties running style of just pounding it up the middle. Well, we, we heard all week that Bill Belichick likes to take away the one thing that this team does the best, right? Well, this, he didn't do that. And last year he, he forced the Titans team well, I'm just going to leave Corey Davis out on the island, beat us with everybody else, right? And how did that look, work? Uh, Corey Davis beat Stephen Gilmore like a drum, and then he decided, well, I'm just going to play the pass and you know just let the run you know defense take care of the rest. It took care of nothing, like. <laughs> and then he's this supposed to be, and I know he is. So let let me say that. But he's this big halftime adjustment guy in both these Titans games. He has decided not to adjust at halftime. I mean, he didn't do anything to slow Derrick Henry down. I mean, Derrick Henry, 182 yards and a touchdown. That's a crazy stat line versus the Patriots, I feel like, versus postseason Patriots. And they played us tight. And their defense uh, almost got the job done. But I think with the combination of Brett Kern and Derrick Henry and our special teams, and of course the Logan Ryan pick six, let's not forget that, um, it just really 
it never really seemed like we weren't going to win that game to me when we're watching at Smith and Lentz. It, it seemed, I agree with you, and this is one of the things all season that with the turnaround with the Titans that I've really been kind of pleased with, and something that always irked me as a Titans fan leading up to this, even in days of yore, I hope I'm using that phrase correctly. Yeah, old um, days, right? Days the old of days, yeah. days of yore. You nailed it. I nailed it. Thank you. You're, you're we do not have to start the podcast over anymore. <laughs> no, but in, in all seriousness, in days of yore, being a Titans fan meant that there was always this nagging feeling in the back of your head that there was a way that the Titans could possibly lose this game. Now, in the defense of this team, over the last decade, what that turned into is that the Titans were going to find a way to shit the bed and give the game up. What I'm speaking about is the decade before that is... Fisher ball was definitely winning the game by somewhere between three to six points, right? So it always felt like the Titans could get in a position to where we're going to watch the opposing team possibly kick a long field goal. I agree with you. The Titans this season and and even on Saturday didn't feel like that there was a chance that we're going to lose that game. Now, you watched my reaction at the end of the game. I could barely watch it. Yeah. I, I was having to watch like the last five minutes of the game through one eye. I just <laughs> you were I mean I was you stressed. were seriously stressed out. I was very stressed out. I mean I, I was standing up, so I mean I was right there with you. And that's to say it's more of like fan anxiety, fan yes. anxiety. Like you just you you know in your heart that something magical could happen at any point, but then you you're you're teetering between magic and heartbreak. I needed that win. Yeah, like I didn't want that win. I needed that win. Oh, I had to have that win. I, I think it was a. a no matter what happens, it's a statement win for this Vrabel team and for this team as a whole that they were able to do it how they want to do it. I mean, Bill Belichick didn't force them to do anything they didn't want to do. Let's be honest. You bring up Fisher Ball, and we've said it on this podcast a lot of times that we kind of think this team wants you know to do Fisher Ball sort of. But they would rather, they've told us, they would rather just have this offense run through Derrick Henry and Bill Belichick's like, well, you know, fine. You know, I'm just going to ignore everything that happened this season yeah. and let him. And, like, I don't know. I think that's, like, I thought it was stupid, I guess. I mean, we talked about it on this podcast. They have slow linebackers and that they do have the best pass defense, but you couldn't do something at halftime? Like, I kind of really expected at halftime it to flip the script. I 100% expected I really thought we may have been able to get stuff out of the passing game going and all that stuff, and Derrick Henry would get shut down, and he was just like, nah. I did too, and that's why, actually, um, thinking back on my reaction to the game towards the end of the game, I don't really know why I was so nervous because there was obviously at that point no change being done. I think what made me nervous is that having a one point lead for that long. Yeah. And and just expecting it to kind of go the other way. That that's I could probably talk to a psychiatrist on a couch for weeks about <laughs> that diagnosis because that's that's certainly my old expectations of the team bleeding into the new. Um I know that I said we were going to discuss the offensive game plan and and kind of how that worked. I want to kind of roll that into uh the Jeff Schwartz discussion. Because the question I want to ask is, and I'm going to answer it immediately, but on the back of a good Derrick Henry performance with almost a relatively non-existent passing game, is that an ugly offensive win? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, let's be honest here. 
to to me though, like Derrick Henry, and this is something that I wish I would have put on the rundown. Derrick Henry is is becoming probably my favorite Titan of all time. Yeah. Of I all mean, time. Of all time. But you know, you gotta remember I'm an Alabama fan, so that bleeds into this, but he's just fun to watch. So to me, is a isn't ugly by Kansas City Chiefs and Lamar Jackson and by regular high octane standards, yeah, it's an ugly win. But I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought it was fun and you know, it worked. Like it, it just worked. It seems it seems disrespectful to me to say the words ugly win when yeah. you have a running back in today's NFL get 182 yards against the Patriots in Foxborough in the playoffs. Right. I mean, that that's all of those last add-ons don't make sense for me to say ugly, but I do have to kind of say it's ugly. Yeah. I, I do want to talk a little bit about um, Rashawn Evans before we go too far with the Woo, boy, because did he mother not... of God. <laughs> Where has that Rashawn Evans been consistently all year? Like, that was one of my big things that we haven't talked about a lot on the podcast, but I, I, when we were talking about our biggest disappointments, I think I mentioned Rashawn Evans. Yes. If I didn't mention him, he was probably on my list. Yeah. But... I was kind of disappointed in Rashawn Evans. Again, Alabama fan, obviously, but he had a great second-half rookie campaign last year. And then he was just kind of quiet, but, you know, give him his due. You got to show up in the big games. You got to show up at some point, but showing up in the biggest game that you have to date, I'll take it. I mean, I'll forgive you for everything in the regular season. We're 1-0. That's how I view it. That Was it maybe it was second down, goal line stand? Where he comes over the middle of the line, leaves his feet, lands on, I believe, his right foot off angle and begins to make the tackle. Yeah. To me, it's it's up there in one of my top five plays ever as a Titans fan. Oh, wow. I, it really is because the coordination. We that, should send him a, a award for that. I, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I want to tape together something really appalling so that when he gets it in the mail, he's like, this is clearly some sort of terrorism incident. Make it out like Play-Doh is, or something. What is this? This is awful. Um, No, it's amazing. I, I really do stand by that statement because for all of those things to come together is just sheer disgusting athletic ability and playing up to a moment where you have to have that. The Patriots score in that moment. You may be talking about a momentum shift that you may not overcome. And I, I, I really, but you set that aside. He does basically the same thing again, two plays later. And that sequence was uh, surreal to me. It, it really amazing to see. And, but it, it, it really leads into this where I'll, I'll say this and we'll come back. I know that. Radio shows, podcasts, quite a bit use the phrase team effort. Team effort is used in, like I just said, radio shows. It's used in uh, coaches giving press conferences to the point where you just hear it and it just rolls off the back of your head. You don't even really think about the statement. This was an absolute team effort. Every single person who needed to make a play at a certain moment made a play. I mean, Kern. I mean, that was that. You're right. Team win. Total team win. Complete team win because Evans Evans had to do that in that moment, and he did twice. Does it twice? I mean, he did. I it feel on, like he did it fifty times. <laughs> Five zero. Yeah. That's how. That's how that, impactful it was. That goal line stand felt like it was seven plays. <laughs> it just didn't seem to end. Brett Kern had to put the ball on the one yard line, and he does it. 
Logan Ryan has to make that pick there, and he runs it in for a pick six. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there like, he actually should have gone down with the ball. I laid down the game, would have been over. Fuck it. I loved seeing him get a pick six there. And I don't think, I think if you run that playback five times and he intercepts it five times, he runs it in every single time because you want to get that pick six dagger against your old quarterback, right? Oh, you know he was itching and looking for it all game. Absolutely. And I loved hearing after the game how much it bothered him that he dropped that earlier interception. Yeah, because he could have had two. The people forget he almost had two. Could have had two. And if I'm remembering correctly, the one that he dropped, he was pretty much in a position to take that one to the house. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, it, it was pretty much going to be a, another pick six. But Rashawn Evans with that goal line stand. I mean, uh, I uh, I tweeted out something at one point uh, later in the week where, you know, people kept tweeting it that I was like, I, I really needed someone to get this highly erotic content off of my uh, Twitter feed. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I was thoroughly aroused with the whole game <laughs> Thur- thoroughly, thoroughly thoroughly aroused it was just just disgustingly aroused i mean it was just look we didn't pass a lot i had no clue until the next day that ryan Tannehill only attempted 15 <laughs> 15 pass attempts and only threw for 75 yards that totally I totally was having so much fun and engrossed in Derrick Henry's performance and this whole narrative throughout the whole game from Bill Belichick crying about rules being, you know, kind of bended by Vrabel on the sidelines to Rashawn Evans to Logan Ryan to Brett Kern. I mean, just everything about the game had me so enthralled. I had no clue that we won with just 75 yards passing. I didn't either. I, you, until you said it today, and I must have missed it in Mike's All-22, I had no clue that he didn't even target Corey Davis once, and only that one t- target was for A.J. Brown. Like, it is, it, yeah, it was you, as out of sight, out of mind. I didn't fucking care. Between the two of them, one target for four yards. I mean, just, and leading up to that game, all the talk was Derrick Henry has to come alive, but A.J. Brown's going to get a couple of big, I was expecting it too. I was waiting for it. But then as the game went along, I just kind of forgot that it wasn't happening. And I'm like you, I didn't realize, I think until a couple of days later, that the passing game was uh, was kind of that bad. But So let me ask that question. Was it just a bad passing game, or was it the Patriots' defense played pretty well and Henry was just moving the ball, so we just kept moving the ball with Henry? I think it was kind of both. Because there was the interception, and you know Tannehill had his share of turnovers. So it was both good defense, and we just kept giving it to Henry, or it was both it's not a good pass. It's all three. Okay. It's all three. I, I I don't think that Tannehill had to be great, right? It's oh. one of those games where Tannehill didn't have to be good for us to win the game. And and to be honest, we probably would have been on shaky ground if we had to have re- had relied on Tannehill. I, I'll be completely honest. It's was would have been probably a shaky game because it seemed like their corners were playing great defense and were shutting down our receivers for the most part. There was, I think, only one play that someone's brought up where both I think AJ and Corey were open and or something like that, or AJ would have been open or something like. It was a Yankee concept. It was on Mike's uh, all twenty-two, um, but he had. Um, 
not a great game, but he didn't really kill us. He kept it close for them because he took some sacks and, you know, had the turnovers. And But we didn't need him. So I'm not I'm not too wor- I'm not worried. This game does not make me worried about Tannehill because again, it's only 15 attempts. We didn't ask him to throw 30. He didn't need to throw 30. And maybe if he threw 15 more, it would have be been a different passing game, right? He just wasn't asked to do it. So a little bit of all all of what you said. It's a cop out, but so whatever. I, I want to I want to talk about Jeff Schwartz for a second. So Jeff Schwartz, uh, if you're not familiar with him. Uh, he's on Twitter. You can find him. Usually uh, now he's right now conti- you know, continuing to argue with Titans fans three days after the tweet he released. Former offensive lineman in the NFL. I think he played it all with the Giants. Um, I-, I mean, for the most part, when I go back and read through his Twitter feed, because I didn't really follow him that closely until I saw the, the particular tweet I'm about to get into, he didn't seem to make, he doesn't seem to regularly make egregious uh, comments. But but this one in particular, it really, really, I, I think, does a disservice. He started off this whole argument with Titans fans by saying, if you didn't watch the Pats-Titans game and only judge the Titans offense based on Twitter and media reports, you would think the Titans had scored 45 points. They scored 14 points, by the way. Okay, fine. And actually, fair enough. The, I, and I, the only part I would disagree with him on that is that I felt the media was leaning too heavily, and maybe rightfully so, into the whole... Is this Tom Brady's last game? What does Tom Brady do for here versus taking a step back and saying, dude, the Patriots. The end of a dynasty, dynasty killers and all that stuff. Yeah. The dynasty killer thing, I'm not a big fan of. I'm not either. I I think that's weird. I, I, I think you're a dynasty killer if you stop the Patriots in their prime. The Patriots are clearly not in their prime. Right. All right, but I'm getting a little off topic here. So, um. Our, our, our buddies over at Titans Film Room had responded to Jeff and said, good thing it was the most watched wildcard game in the last 10 years, so we don't have to worry about people judging solely off media reports. I do like that statement yeah, because I think it also attacks what I was just getting at where a lot of the media were just quickly trying to go to the Patriots lost, it's the dynasty over, blah, 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 kind of forgetting that the Titans had just strolled into Foxborough and pulled off a win. So here's the tweet that sets everybody aflame. Jeff Swartz, never have I seen a fan base more excited for 4.8 yards per play in 14 points. Now, here's why I have a problem with this. There is not a fan out there, nor was there one in any of these comments, that said that they were excited about the offense and was getting 4.8 yards per play in 14 points. What Titans fans were excited about is a running back who continues to produce and is showing up in big games and consistently ran it down the throat of the Patriots and they had absolutely no answer for it. And they're excited for a Titans team that just got a playoff win in Foxborough in January in the playoffs. That's what Titans fans are excited about. I mean, <laughs> am I wrong here? You're you're completely right. And I think... <laughs> Who who are these media people that are saying that this was some great offensive performance? I think he's confusing praising Derrick Henry for going 182 yards for everybody saying, oh, the offense is fantastic. Like, I, I haven't heard anybody say this was uh, the, one of the best, you know, offseason uh, performances we've seen on offense. Um this was a totally domination, blah, 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 blah. I've, I just haven't seen that. I, I literally do not know if he is has a burner account and that burner account is saying <laughs> it, and then he's using that as his media 
I, I don't get it. I, I I haven't heard. And listen, I've been out of town for the most part since that win. Maybe I missed it. But have you heard anybody locally or nationally say it? Because I haven't. No, and actually, furthermore, I was actually a little disgusted with the national media this week because, and biasly so, I wanted to tune in and listen to national media go off about the Titans win, and they spent all fucking Monday talking about Cowboys hiring fuckadoo. I could care less. I, it's the cow. They're not America's You're team. You're talking about no Glenn fuckadoo? I, I just, no. It, 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 <laughs> who is it, Mike McCarthy? Mike McCarthy. I just, I, I don't care. I, 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 a whole media day that should have been dedicated to good playoff coverage was dedicated to that shit show down there in Dallas. But you know what? That's Jerry for you. That's exactly what he does. He wants to steal the spotlight. But I want to back up a little bit. Kind of what bothers me a little bit on the subtle part of this is this is a former offensive lineman that's making this comment. Talk about a position that usually gets no attention unless they're playing poorly. I mean, usually offensive linemen get attention for this. Getting too many penalties, playing poorly, or at the end of the season, their quarterback slash running back buys them a ridiculous gift because they played well. Yeah. I mean, offensive linemen usually don't get a lot of coverage. You, you basically describe, describe Taylor Lewan's whole season. <laughs> so <laughs> what kind of bothers me that an, a, a former offensive lineman is nitpicking at an offensive victory like that because offensive linemen, they're usually the first ones to bring up with you that says no one ever gives us the credit we deserve. And not to mention, the only reason why Derrick Henry had such a good game is because the offensive line right. is blocking out of their fucking minds for this and, man. And that's that was the thing. This offensive line is going ham in the run game. Nick Davis is pushing people in the second level to the ground. You have Taylor Lewan Saffold just destroying people. I mean, holes are being opened up, opened up for him. I mean... This should be an offensive lineman's wet dream of a game. I mean, it really should. Jeff should be covered in meatball marinara, just (laughs) raging about this game naked. And he is just trying to shit on it because his brother in 2016 didn't get all pro and he doesn't think Jack Conklin should have got all pro. This is all of what it comes back to is that he just wants to shit on the team any chance he can really get. Because now it's not fun to shit on the Jaguars because he was doing that for a long time. And now, I mean, the Jaguars just shit themselves and everybody pretty much has forgotten about him. So now he's just going to go to the Titans because he's bored, I guess. But this brings me to what we about Tom Gower. Uh, Tom Gower also uh, had a tweet as well. And his tweet... See, I'm, I missed this because... I you you've been traveling all week. I've been working my ass off this week as well, which is the reason why we're recording this on a Thursday night. But I haven't seen the Tom Gower tweet at all, so th- this will be the first time I've heard it. Uh, so he retweets the midday one eight or quote tweets the midday one eighty Greg Cosell, and he goes got to this one this morning and felt like it was necessary corrective to story I'd been hearing about how good Titans O was. Seriously, I kept yelling my phone about how I must have missed Titans O scoring a couple t- touchdowns the second half with how people were talking. I don't want to single anybody out because he can't, because it felt like literally everybody else. Everybody else but him, by the way. Anyway, Greg Cosell's segments are always great, even when he's not saying what I thought in the midday 180 guys ask great questions. Backslash end old man yelling at clouds. For real. That was probably the most realistic Tom Gower tweet I've ever seen. The backslash end old man yelling at clouds. 
nobody, I don't, I don't get where these two guys, and they're the only two guys that I've seen say this, where the, anybody's praising the O for anything other than the run game being good. And not just good, but fucking dominant all the way through. I mean, just dominant the whole way through. But there's not I, the but the problem I have with these arguments is that I don't see, and even for the most irrational Titans fans out there, which we have a plenty. I was getting my haircut today, and I was her- hearing another kid in the chair, two chairs over, bitching to his barber about how Mariota is not playing. I mean, we we <laughs> oh we have God. we have an irrational fan base. We have a very irrational. Oh, there's fan people base. that want Marcus to be you know Taysom Hill. Which he's built like uh, Lauren Hill. That's who I'm thinking of. <laughs> no, I tell you, I had to turn off 3HL this afternoon because one of those jackasses on there was talking about how they expect to see Mario to play multiple snaps in the game and could see him ripping off a 40 to 60 yard run. You know how fucking furious I'm going to be if Mario is in the game long enough to try to get a run like that? I this mean, is coming from a guy who looked at you in the bar and said, I would actually probably like to see Mario to score a touchdown yeah, just yeah, for the hell of it. You actually did say that. Yeah, and then I regret saying it. I'm not even sure why I said it. I think it's because I had a pitcher of beer in the yeah. first quarter. I'm getting off topic. Um, This is the problem I have with this entire line of thinking. There is, I don't see a Titans fan out here that's saying, what a dominant offensive you know, passing game. No one's saying that. I mean, I'll sit here and admit to you that I was so nervous watching the end of that game because the Titans had a one-point lead up until, like, what, four minutes left in the game, three minutes left in the game? It was uncomfortable to watch. I mean, outside of Derrick Henry playing his ass off, it was a complete team effort to get this victory. Yeah. It was a struggle to get the victory in everything but the run game. I mean, it was just a I, struggle. I honestly think it's this. I think that the media has spent the last six weeks glowing about Tannehill coming out, digging out of the dregs of the Dolphins, finding a couple of big targets, him and A.J. Brown have been lighting up the league. It's fun to cover. And what do the Titans do? They go into Foxborough and run a (laughs) run heavy offense to beat the Patriots in a pretty unsexy manner. Yeah. You know, for Titans Titans fans, oh yeah, we'll eat it up. Absolutely. That's the kind of stuff that makes me want to go out and get a tattoo, which I'm not going to do. Or any of you out there freak out and wonder if I'm going to go Mitch Ferkins. I'm not going to do that. But if you're not a Titans fan, I could see how that might have not been the most enjoyable game to watch outside of, fuck the Patriots, I just want to see them lose. Here's a good tweet uh, in that Tom Gower tweet thread, which only has this guy's reply and... One like, two likes total. That good for a 5,000 follower, no. for a guy that has 5,000 followers. Um, this Titan Nate 83, if you told the Titans you were going to let them run the ball and feature their best player on the day when it's 40 degrees and rainy, they would probably have said, okay, thank you. <laughs> I mean, that is a true tweet. You you let <laughs> Arthur Smith and Mike Vrabel fulfill their wet dream nirvana. I mean, it was just, this is the game they've been wanting all year. Let's talk about Wet Dream Nirvana okay. for a second Uh-oh. with with, uh, <laughs> with Mike Vrabel, okay? And I got to put this all on Mike Vrabel because I even started to have Mike Vrabel doubts in the middle of the season. But to see Mike Vrabel run that little clock trick around and, five minutes. And and to be honest, we had no clue what the fuck was going on At in the, the bar. At the time, I did not. <laughs> I, and it's funny because I recall... When Belichick did it against the Jets, 
I thought it was funny at the time. I thought the press conference afterwards where Belichick was grinning and basically saying, oh, it's, a, it's a loophole in the system and, uh, and uh, you know, they're, they're, at some point they're going to they're gonna patch it, but it, it worked for us. You know, I mean, when he's pulling that off, I'm giggling because I still like Belichick to this day. Yeah. I, I actually love the segments where when they get Belichick just talking football, usually in some sort of documentary style setting or whatever they're doing, he really does kind of come alive and you you really do see what an absolute football genius he is. But all that aside, nothing to me makes me grin and smile harder than to go back and watch the replays and see Belichick just melt the fuck down on the sidelines. <laughs> he, he, is, he is furious. And he knows it's happening. And there's even a moment, and I really hope this is why the ref was smiling, but whoever the lead official is, is standing on the sidelines telling him, I, I, I'm assuming basically saying, what do you want me to do? They're not breaking the rules. And he even kind of has... would have said, it's a loophole. He even has this little <laughs> shit-eating grin when he he's does. saying it to Belichick. And I really hope it's that he's thinking, I mean... Motherfucker, you discovered the loophole, and now it's getting run up your ass. Well, he's probably thinking, well, Spygate, Deflategate, then you have uh, Binglesgate or whatever, the tape gate, whatever that is. And then, you know, he just does stuff all the time that skirts the rules somewhat and gets away with it for the most part. Deflategate, he got away with it. Tom Brady really got fucked on that one. <laughs> and, I mean, if it's... They didn't... They never patched it, so I don't know guarantee I guarantee now that this has happened to Bill Belichick and the Patriots oh, at yeah. the at the convention where they go and talk about all the rules oh, this yeah. will be proposed by the Patriots to shut this fir- shit down the first offseason <laughs> owners meeting yeah. or whatever oh absolutely this rule is going to be shut down yeah. whatever loophole it is it's gone yeah cuz it got used on him once Robert Kraft shows back up from whatever Vietnamese massage parlor just rolled yeah. out of I'm sorry um it, all I want now in life is, is this moment to happen. I'm down at the end of the bar. I see Vrabel at the other end of the bar, and I get the bartender to hand him a drink, and the bartender gets to look at him and say, throw that gentleman down there, and he said, for running that fucking clock. <laughs> it's all that I want. would be awesome. It was, I, it, the more I realized later what was happening that night and then started to read, I stayed up. I stayed up till, I think, about 2.30 in the morning, the night of that win, just reading Reddit, just reading Twitter threads. And the more I started to discover the clock scheme that Vrabel ran, I, the more I couldn't stop reading. And I was exhausted after that win. And I, I stayed up way too late reading about it. Kudos to Mike Vrabel. That, that, to me, one of the finest moments I've seen as a Titans fan that just makes me grin ear to ear. But, but let me say this about Vrabel. That's probably not the best story to come out of it this weekend. It was this tweet by Charlotte Wilder. A few years ago, I was at a Kentucky <laughs> Derby so party. <laughs> a few years ago, I was at a Kentucky Derby party for a story. The driveway was super steep and slick from rain. I was going down it very slowly and wobbly in hills. When Vrabel, Kool-Aid man out of a hedge, helped me down the road then disappeared into the night. Kool-Aid man? Kool-Aid man out of a hedge. <laughs> I love it, too, because someone asked her, like, I really hope the story is true. And she's like, yeah, I mean, 100%. 100% true. true. That's fantastic. He just blasts out of a hedge, saves her from falling, <laughs> and disappears into the night. I, I don't know if I, if I tweeted this out or not, but I really hope that he threw his cape over his face and all you saw was his eyes and the stash and he disappeared in a puff of smoke. <laughs> it was, I mean, just hilarious. I mean, you could not. I mean, that's just the perfect variable story. And the, the words she used, pure poetry. So, 
I I want to I want to go into this after we've sat here kind of talked about the win, talked about the offense. Um, what what value do you put on this win based on all of the storylines that were around it? Belichick's obviously getting up there in age. He's not hinted that he's going to retire, but you got to think Belichick's the type of guy that's probably going to retire like out of out of the blue. Suddenly at the end of the season, he'll just be done. That'll be it, and you won't hear much from him. Obviously, Tom Brady, if you haven't heard about his contract situation at this point, I don't know how you're listening to a football podcast and have missed that, but he is about to enter free agency, specifically had it written in his contract that he cannot be franchise tagged. So he is going to enter free agency, which starts on March 11th. Do I have that correct? Anyways. Yeah, somewhere around there usually. So Brady is going to enter free agency for the first time in his career. Um, The Patriots are not the Patriots of even a couple of years ago. Edelman's getting up there in age. They have no serious tight end situation. Uh, it, they just, they they look off. So does it diminish it for you, Zach, that this Titans team beat this Patriots team in the playoffs? I'll be honest. It diminishes it not substantially, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Because there is, those are valid caveats to the win. Valid yes. little asterisks, in my opinion. It's okay. It's like it's like viewing how the Toronto Raptors beat the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals for the NBA championship. Okay. There's an asterisk because everybody was injured. I mean, it was pretty much a dead team <laughs> on uh, the Golden State Warriors, and they just couldn't get it done with you know Steph Curry and you know I don't know even know who else is on that team besides Clay Thompson who was out and. Uh, Kevin Durant, who is also out. So, to me, it's like there's always an asterisk when I view the Toronto Raptors win. They're NBA champions, asterisk. We're, we're, you know, it's kind of like what you said when we were talking about Dynasty Killer. You know, I'm not going to get on the fans for, you know, using that term. Hey, you want to use it? No, certainly, yeah. It's not a term I'm going to use or hold any credence to because... I think we're kind of dead on arrival, right? I mean, we all talked about that, yes, it is the Patriots in Foxborough. Yes, it is the playoffs. But we really felt that the Titans were going to win anyway. So it, was, it shouldn't be that shocking because of all the reasons you listed. And dynasties typically end themselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And this one did. Uh, yeah. The Patriots dynasty ended the, they, they ended it themselves. They, they got too old too quick. They got old at linebacker. They got old at quarterback. The rece- the re- they used to be able to get away with pulling scrubs off the street and playing them and them performing above their pay grade, right? They couldn't get that done this year. They right. lost Gronk. Run game really couldn't get going for the most part this year. I'm, I wasn't surprised that we won. I was a little surprised it was a close game, but I'm not surprised that we won. So... Yeah, I think you have to put a little asterisk, a very tiny asterisk, and then very tiny font underneath it. What's funny, though, I think if you go ask the average NFL fan, I don't think they give a shit. You know why? Because they just lost. Th- they just lost, <laughs> and the rest of the NFL is so fucking pleased that they're not getting ready to watch another divisional game with the Patriots, right. another AFC championship game with the Patriots. Outside of being a Titans fan, I 100% agree. I was I'm flat out tired of seeing it. I know that's a little blasphemous too, especially when you get to watch like that. Sometimes you don't realize how good things are in the moment. You know, 
it's been some, we've enjoyed some great football the last two decades from multiple teams, and the Patriots have a lot to do with that. I mean, you know, they won six Super Bowls. It's incredible. But, I, yeah, I'm absolutely pleased they're not in the playoffs. And it's not just because the Titans got to advance. It's because I get so fucking tired of seeing It's always predictable. Every team's going to go through Foxborough for the AFC Championship game, and it gets so annoying to watch. I want to... I want to see an AFC championship game in Kansas city or God forbid, we have to see it in Houston, you know, it's, but I will say this. I, I will never agree with the whole dynasty killer thing. I, I'm 100% with you. I'm not going to shit on fans who enjoy that. You do you, but there are certain teams for whatever reason that always seem to get the best out of another team. Do you think there's a Seahawks fan out there that would enjoy the fact that they've got to play the Rams twice every year? The Rams always seem to find a way to stick it to the Seahawks. Oh, I'll, the, Jeff Fisher's last year, the first game <laughs> is week one, I believe, and the first game was uh, Rams versus Seahawks, and we all thought the Rams were going to be shit, and they come out and just beat the shit out of the yeah. Seahawks, Yeah, and, um, and then they go on to lose all the games and blah, 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 but... They, you're right. It was always that one split. It's like almost you could almost at some point before the string of a thousand days, you could almost guarantee that we were going to split with the Jaguars. Yeah. Whether they were a good team or a bad team, you can almost guarantee that we're going to split with the Jaguars. So, you know, for the Titans to go into Foxborough win, yes, I do think that's a big deal. I mean, yes, like you said, I think it's diminished a little bit by the age and the style of the team. But the Patriots were a dynasty for a reason. A dynasty does not mean that they win one Super Bowl and they're pretty dominant for about a decade. A dynasty is exactly how it went down. That the sons of bitches were going to the Super Bowl like every three years and it was very annoying. And would it really surprise anybody if the Bills became the 2017 Jaguars, the 2018 Bears, and just sucked next year? After being a, having a dominant defense and a uh, quarterback that was pretty sketchy like Matt, uh, Mitch Trubisky and Blake Bortles and all that. Would it really surprise you if the Patriots were the number one seed next year? No, it, it, really, it really would wouldn't. not. You get it a whole not. off season to fix all these holes that they have and they have the draft capital to do it. They have every, they have the one of the best coaches to do it. There's no reason that they won't be in contention next year. So let's not get premature yeah. that the dynasty killer thing is a real thing. That's, uh, that's another very good reason why I'm not behind it because we'll get into this in some other podcast, but especially in the off season, but I'm not convinced Brady's leaving New England. Oh, he's definitely not. I don't see it happening. I mean, what's Brady's going to leave and what is he going to get? Even if Brady leaves, are they going to get Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees? I mean, you got to remember those two guys are both in the same situation as Tom Brady and nobody's talking about Drew Brees potentially not being a saint, but you know, there are other options that are, either the same age or younger than Brady. And even if it's not Tom Brady, they'll move around and get somebody. Right. Like, it's going to be Tom Brady, don't get me wrong, but you give Tom Brady a couple tight ends, a couple wide receivers. You have, you get the offensive line kind of in check and fix your linebackers. I mean, then you're still going to win probably the uh, AFC East. I mean, they're tw- they were 12-4. and four. Yeah. I mean, they weren't... A- a technically a bad team maybe they were an overrated team yeah but they were still a top 10 team probably top 12 team in the nfl well like there was a the local show here 3hl had a gentleman on this afternoon I'm not sure he was some sort of betting expert but he was talking about how that 
he is not sold on Green Bay. The Green Bay's the ugliest thirteen and three team he's ever seen, and yeah. I, I agree with him. Right. I, I I think I think that of the Patriots. The Patriots were the ugliest twelve and four team I've ever seen. So, but that being said, no. I I the, the only discount I would say, like, here's the way I feel about how teams just seem to play down to other teams. And I'm serious when I say this. If the Titans pull off the improbable, not the impossible, the improbable, and beat the Ravens this weekend, I actually would rather see them play Kansas City than Houston. I know that might sound crazy, but it's because the Titans always seem to be a coin flip against against the Texans. It doesn't, like, to me, and I know logically this doesn't make any sense, but statistics be damned. Uh, the Titans just, I, I don't care if they look like the better team on paper. They always seem to play Houston in a 50 50 manner. And I'm so tired of that. Right. And, you know, it's like, even as bad as Indy, you know, started to get at the end of the season. If somehow I had to pick between current Indianapolis and Kansas city, I'd still pick Kansas city because it's <laughs> fucking Indy. Yeah. The Titans never play Indy well. So anyways, I, I just, that's kind of my whole thing with it is that I don't think it diminishes it. But I do think that there is a little bit to be said that. But but you know what? You get doesn't fucking matter to me though. The tit- if the Titans win the Super Bowl this year, yeah, you'll forget all about that. I don't. I don't care anything about. Listen, those I'll, all those. I'll be hype- completely honest. I know I said that it does diminish it, but I don't. I don't give a shit. I really don't give a <laughs> shit. Diminishes because we beat the fucking Patriots and we're in round two of the playoffs. I mean, fuck it. I don't care how we got there. Listen, I don't care if everybody took HGH and. Just sniffed coke or snorted cocaine and took crystal meth and had this jumbo cocktail of just rage hormones and adrenaline, and it was totally illegal. And we beat the Patriots because I don't care. We won. <laughs> I do not care. Well, big game this weekend. Obviously, the Titans Huge are playing. Game. Playing. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely de- definitely bearing the lead there. But uh, playing the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Baltimore obviously coming off of a first round bye. I mean, they've had starters who haven't played in three weeks now. Yeah. So uh, on paper, they should be pretty fresh. Um, I want to start with this, though, before we, we kind of get into the game a little bit. Um, do you consider the Titans Ravens rivalry? Do you consider it a rivalry right now? No. I respect the history, though. So, like, yes, yeah. fuck the Ratbirds. Don't get me wrong. And fuck what they did, what happened in 2008. Fuck, fuck it all. Like, I am, I hate that shit that ever happened. I hate it. But is it a real, it, you're, let's renew the re- rivalry. Yes. Like, this game has go. to renew the rivalry. You got to remember, it's what, a 21 zip slog fest Ugh. last year? The that only they, game I've walked out of earlier. Yeah. That just left you disheartened about this whole team. And so, you know, typically it's it's maybe a postseason, a good postseason rivalry because I think it's like Titans, Ravens, Titans, Ravens, Titans, Ravens, Titans, Ravens. So it's it's good and competitive, but you know, let's make it a rivalry again because if you win this game and you beat this team, you're we sh- we expect you to be in the playoffs next year. Both teams to be in the playoffs, right? So you got to renew it. And I think it's it's one of those things where the flame has sort of died out on your fire out on camp, and you got to go find brush and put it back up. This is the brush. This game is the brush to get the yeah. fire back up. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't hate the Rapbirds, or I don't understand how people can't hate the Rapbirds, because 
There are those Lamar Jackson fans out there that just ignore. There's a generation of fans that are out there now that just root for players no matter what team they're on. Yeah. That's fine. If that's how you want to root, I don't agree with it. It's it it it's, is strange to me, but that's that's the world we live in now. No, it is strange to me, and that's my first exposure to that. Obviously, is with Mariota. Uh, I I'm you're starting to see not starting to see. We've been seeing it all season where fans do not want to detach themselves from the player specific. Yeah, that they've been following, and a lot of that is the, obviously the buildup of social media, and I see it too because. I was one of those types who used to really like watching late night Pac-12 games. So I, I watched more Mariota college games than I care to admit. But yeah, you're right. You've got you've got fans who are invested in individual players. And I, I'm a little bit like that too. Like I enjoy, but I've done that for a while. I've enjoyed watching Aaron Rodgers play for a long time. Right. Regardless of how I feel about the Packers. Yeah, I, mean, I, I thoroughly was, enjoy watching Russell Wilson. And I not I'll be honest. If you didn't have fun watching Lamar Jackson this year, I then you just don't like football. No, it's football. fantastic. I mean, like, I, like there's a certain level. I get it. Fuck the Ravens. You hope they lose, but there's a certain level where you got to be like, okay, Lamar Jackson's fun to watch. And I guess let me put it this way: I know there's been a lot of hype videos and stuff out this week where, um, and we've had good friends who have put them out. They've been fantastic videos where it's it's definitely digging up the the Eddie George, the Ray Lewis stuff, all that. It's it's hard for me to attach all of that bullshit to this current Ravens team well, and, and get current that, Titans. Team. Yeah. And get that burning anger. And I, I don't, I don't see because we don't play them regularly enough. I can go on and on about how much I hate the Jaguars and how much I hate the, the Colts. And it's because we have to see those sons of bitches twice a year. You know, I mean, the, the Jaguars outside of their quarterback and a wide receiver running back and their, you know, former corner, I can't name a lot of Jaguar starters, but I hate them with a burning passion. Well, um, since that playoff game, we've played them four times in now 10 years. Yeah. It's only been four games as our fifth. So the rivalry just died. I mean, most of those players that were on that in that game and are on both sides of the ball are gone. They're not there. They... They went from 2009, they didn't play in 2010, then 2011, then 12 and 13, they didn't play, then it was 14, and then 15, 16, no play, then 17, then 18, and now and now technically 2020. So, it, I mean, we're talking four games since that playoff game in 10 years. That's not a rivalry. Now, fuck the Rapids. <laughs> I mean, but I'm also, fuck any team that we're playing against, right? Oh, yeah. For sure. So, if we want the rivalry to be a thing, we need to go out here and knock them in the fucking mouth and beat them senseless and pay them back for what happened 10 years ago, or technically 11 years ago. So, but if we don't do that and we lose, it's like the Bengals saying that the they have a rivalry with the Steelers or the Ravens and they constantly lose to these teams. Right. They're in your division, so I guess they're a division rival, but those teams don't view as a rivalry. Don't think any of the current Ravens fans, for the most part, to say the majority view us as anything other than um, easy cupcake on a stepping stone to the Super Bowl. I mean, you're an Alabama fan. Right. Do you consider Tennessee a rival? No. And we talked about this on Buck's podcast, and I think Emily Proud got mad at me because of it. <laughs> but win a game. Like, 
win a game if you want to be considered a rivalry. I mean, that does have. To, I mean, yeah, exactly. Even if you're playing them every year, you're gonna. Yeah, win and you know, we lost last year in embarrassing fashion. It's the only time in this entire. I think we have 23 games versus them. Last year was the only time that either team has been shut out. And it was shut out in embarrassing fashion. <laughs> so that was, that was a bad game. I, I understand we can't win every game in a rivalry, but you at least got to be a little competitive in almost every game. And for the most part, there has been. But, you know, it's it's been a while. I mean, it's been a while where I would consider this a rivalry. But I understand that the our age and probably older fuck the Ravens. Yeah. And I think that probably your 20s and younger are like, eh, you know, it's just another game, just another opponent. So let me ask this. Um, you see the Titans defense stopping the Ravens. You see them stopping Lamar Jackson. What do you mean by stopping? Like, what would his stat, stat line have to be <laughs> to be considered stopping? Two touchdowns. I, I think they can hold this team to two touchdowns. You do? I, I think it's possible. I think they can hold at least Lamar to two touchdowns. Well, was that Paul who had that? He had kind of an interesting stat um, that was tweeted out late today. Since 2016. Yeah. I think I've got that correct. Yeah. 2016, the Ravens are like, what is it? like Two and 14. Two and 14. Yeah. Something something high to where if they're, he if they're losing. Oh, my God. Butchering this. When... <laughs> It, it, when they're losing, <laughs> when they're behind at halftime. When they're behind at halftime, the Ratbirds are 2-18 and 18 since 2016. If you made it through that statement without cutting this podcast off, I greatly apologize, and I'm not going to do that again. But uh, you really see the Titans holding them to two touchdowns? I can see it. Like, I mean, I think that the Achilles heel for this kind of offense that you're seeing is basically having athletic defenders being able to cover a lot of space. Yeah. And they but they got to be disciplined. And if for the most part I'd say this team is always pretty disciplined on defense and can keep stuff in front of them. And that's that's the key. And I know that keeping Lamar in front of you is a lot harder than it sounds. Yeah. But I think that the run defense that we have with Daquan Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, and Jarrell Casey can keep at least the middle of the field pretty in check, which will allow athletic, lengthy, explosive linebackers like Harold Landry, David Long, and uh, Rashawn Evans to do their stuff. And I don't I don't necessarily feel they have the wide receivers we should technically be scared of. Um, I mean, it's Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, and then I think everybody else could be pretty much covered one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And I really think that Adoree, if Adoree's at 100% and he's a full go, uh, is what they're saying, if he's 100%, I think he can cover Marquise Brown by himself, which can free Logan Ryan to do other things. How how much does it hurt not having a uh, Jay Brown this week? It's gonna hurt. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about it. It's it's gonna be tough. You know, Teron Davenport. I think after that thing came out that Jayon was out, maybe it was right before. Uh, maybe I'm just confused. But he said something like he may still be able to go. But I guess if you're probably listed as out, you can't 
reverse it, can you? Yeah, I don't know I, the rules. I hate to say it. This is the part where I'm naive on NFL rules, but I, I feel like there is at a certain point when you have that designation, you're done. But I, I don't know. We'll just have to see. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to suck, but it's also if you keep Lamar, Kevin Byard and Kenny Vaccaro can handle Mark Andrews. Yes, you'd much rather them not have to worry about it, but they can handle it. Um, it, it's going to hurt. I'm not, I'm just not, I don't know, man. I just, this team, I, I don't feel like betting against this team. I just don't see a reason to bet against the team. Call it blind fandom or blind faith or whatever, a homerism, whatever you want to use. But I kind of can see that this defense can probably keep them in check. And I think Vrabel and Dean Pease are going to have this team prepared. Dean Pease has faced a mobile quarterback that Greg Roman has had in the Super Bowl. And that defense was able to keep, and that was an aging defense at the time, was able to keep Colin Kaepernick relatively in check where it doesn't hurt him. Yeah, I, I think you can do the same here. I, I could see this. I, I really, I hope you're correct. I do. Um, I'm afraid this could end up being another stressful game, but on a little bit more of the high scoring end where the team who possesses the ball last is going to win. I, I really could see it turning into that. I, I hope I'm wrong, but uh, I don't know. I really, I just, I want to see the Titans offense just come out and be explosive. I want to see a lot of wide receiver use. I, I'm, I'm just excited. I, I think it will be there. I mean, I think you, I think they'll allow a balanced offensive attack. I think you still see a lot of Derrick Henry because their rush. Let me let me tell you something about this Baltimore Rave, this vaunted Baltimore Ravens defense <laughs> and this team. They've played Miami, New York Jets. They played the Bengals twice, the Pittsburgh Steelers without um, Big Ben. And one time, I believe, without Mason Rudolph, twice. They've played the Browns twice. And they have played, let's see, that's 6-2, the Rams. And there was another shitty-ass team in that whole list, too. Arizona, maybe? Arizona, that yeah. was it. They're 9-1 against those teams. So there's nine pretty not great wins. And sure, they lost to the Cleveland. Somehow Cleveland, like, spanked them or whatever. But let, let's be honest. Those teams do not match up. They're not the standard of what the new Tennessee Titans are. And to me, I mean, nine wins right there. I mean, so yeah, they're fourteen and two, but half more than half of those wins are not great wins. They're not wins to hang your hat on. So yeah, the defense numbers are going to be inflated because those offenses suck. <laughs> I mean, they're just horrible offense. I think it was even a Luke Falk-led New York Jets, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, let's settle down on this. And their offense is the problem. I'm not worried about our offense versus their defense. I am more worried against our defense versus their offense. But I think it's a winnable matchup. I think, uh, I, I truly believe this. I think the winner of this game represents the AFC in the Super Bowl. I, I I do believe that. Yeah, I don't see any reason why we should not expect I do believe to be that because Bowl. if the Ravens advance and they win, I don't think it's going to be an easy victory against Tennessee. I do think it's going to be hard fought. And if it's a hard fought victory and they win, I I think they walk past Kansas City or Houston. Yeah. I do. And if the Titans beat the Ravens, which again I think is going to be a tough matchup Saturday, 
I don't think there's any stop. I will 100% fully believe that the Titans can win the Super Bowl at that point. Well, there's no one in the NFC to be really scared of. Saints I, are gone. Yeah. That was arguably probably the that best That was team. my – I was just waiting for a Saints Super Bowl matchup yeah. with AFC contender. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I th- I think any – you may get – you may have trouble versus the 49ers, but I wouldn't necessarily be too worried about it. But there's nobody else in the NFC East I'm scared of. Or the NFC, sorry, not just the East, but the NFC. So the last topic you had listed was what does winning and losing mean to the Titans? And I want to give you a first shot at yeah, that. Yeah, wh- what does it mean And when you look at the season in perspective? Because <laughs> there's always those people, the Malarkey fans, the Marcus fans, whatever, that... Malarkey, say, who retired today, by yeah, the way. Who, good for him. If that, yeah. if he needed that, then yeah. good for him. Um, that, you know, they, they said, well, let's see Vrabel win a playoff game. And then Vrabel wins a playoff game. And Ryan Tannehill's the quarterback, and we win a playoff game. And now it's like, well, let's see him do it again before we fully believe. You know, moving those goalposts like, like uh, Jeff like, accused like, you. Like Jeff accused me of doing. So, to me... What this team was able to accomplish without Malcolm Butler, without a Dory Jackson for most of the season, without Taylor Lewan for four games, and then that mess for the first six games of what this team was able to do is nothing short of fantastic. It is probably these last eight games, probably the most, or last 10 or 11, I guess, probably the most fun I've had as a Titans fan since I just gave up just being so (laughs) angry all the time. And to me, it's been the most fun. And win or lose, I think this team can hold its head high. And this team, it should be in talks to be, depending on what happens in the offseason, of course. You got to bring Derrick Henry. You got to bring Tannehill back. You know, this team should be the talk of being probably the number one seed in the division instead of being picked, you know, to go 3-13 and by all these local people or national media people. There will be respect on our name heading into it because we now have a complete team and we've seen it consistently since Tannehill has taken over That and Vrabel's cured whatever has ailed his decision-making skills and Arthur Smith's got his feet underneath them. And I think that once Malcolm Butler is back and we're healthier, you know, going into whatever, win or lose, this is a team you could be proud of and probably my favorite Titans team of... I'm probably this decade. So I'm going to respect everything you just said. And just shit all over it. And I'm going to refuse to answer the question. Oh, my God. I'm going to refuse to answer the question because I don't think this team is done. I don't well, think right. they're done. But, okay, so let's say they are. They lose. I mean, I don't think they, they are going to lose. Well, the only reason why I don't want to answer the question is because I don't want to sound defeatist at this point. Oh, okay. To where it sounds, you know. Did I sound what, defeatist? It doesn't sound defeatist. Okay. But but to me, my own stupid little ticks in my head. Think, gotcha. If I give the, well, win or lose, I'm going to be extremely proud of this team, of how the season turned out. I am. I absolutely am. The season ends tomorrow and the team just can't play on Saturday. I'm going out of the playoffs in a good mood. Yeah. I I mean, I really am. Short of an absolute disaster Saturday of, you know, whatever. I'm going to come out of the season very pleased. But I almost don't want to say that because I truly do. I, I don't think this team is a long shot against Baltimore. Let me ask you this. If they win, is this one of the best Titans teams 
that you've seen since Tannehill has taken over since probably the Eddie George days. Yeah. Or and Steve McNair, Eddie George. Probably, you know, there's you know, we went fourteen to, you know, all the, the we had a really good years. But is this not one of the best Titans teams you've seen? Yeah. Or at least Titans performance. It absolutely is. And maybe it's maybe it's recency bias, but I I one hundred percent believe that. I do. And it, I'm I'm pleased because we're not seeing a team that's like got a last gasp effort to be good for a while. This is a team that it took eight weeks to find any semblance of offense, not having a few struggles. I'm talking about dead in the fucking water. <laughs> and suddenly they're two games away from being in the Super Bowl. I, I, I'm thrilled with how the season turned out. Absolutely. And I do truly believe it's one of the best Titans team that's been on the field in damn near 15 years. If we win this game and I ever hear we should have never fired Malarkey, I'm just blocking people. I, I, and listen, I'm, if you do it as a joke, you better put LOL, haha, JK, because <laughs> you will get blocked. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start blocking people over Malarkey. Um, Mariota stands, you've got two games to yeah. get out of your system. <laughs> yeah. Okay, regardless of what happens Saturday or if the Titans go all the way to the Super Bowl and we're about to see a parade, you have two games to get the Mariota stuff out of your system. And this is your fair warning. Yeah. If we start arguing about Mariota again, when the last snap of the Titan season ends, you're getting blocked. You're, you are, no doubt. That includes family members. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember, you can't DM us after the fact. To unblock you. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. If it's way. a, oh, I was just sar- being sarcastic. No, <laughs> you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. Someone sent me a message earlier this week said I unblocked you, so I blocked them. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for us. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to say. Uh, I'm going to be at the game. Yeah. Saturday. Pretty excited about that. This is the first road playoff game I've ever been to. How much uh, money did you get donated to go? <laughs> Uh, I, I didn't do that because oh, I think that's, I think that's, me or I think that's like that? crass. I do. I, I, the only time I'm okay with donating money for someone to go is if they did not ask for it at all. And I just, I don't like fans. I, I tell you, this gets under my skin and I'm kind of glad you brought this up. And I love AJ Brown kind of making his subtle little jab at a fan asking him for tickets this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you don't know the story, Someone asked Corey Davis via DM, hey, it's a long shot. My brother and I want to go to the game in New England. Could you give us tickets? And he actually responded and said, yeah, I'm going to leave you a couple of tickets at Will Call. Hey, great for them. That's that's an awesome story. You ended up getting tickets like that. But unfortunately, the media picked it up. They ran with it because it's a feel-good story. But what did it do? All it did was get a bunch of fans coming out of the woodwork asking players for tickets. And that, that I, I can't stand that. One of the things I was talking about on last, it may have been last week's podcast, is that I don't, I don't like the fans who are, oh, I'll come to the games, you give me free tickets. Oh, I'll go to the playoffs, you give me free tickets. This is not a charity. The, the, if you can't afford to be at the game, I, I, I'm sorry, but that's, it's just not for you. You can watch it on TV. Football is a better product consumed on TV than it is live, and I'll always say that. And shouldn't there be, I'm sure there has to be, a Titans fan locally in Boston that is probably maybe sick or maybe right. you know going through tough times. Yeah, let's rally around that story and let's send that person to a game. But rallying around someone that, you know, like you said, asked a player for money 
or ask the player for tickets or just, you know, selecting someone randomly and just say, let's all, you know, give this guy money to go to a game. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I wish I could have gone to the game, but I'm not fully do not expect anybody to ever pay for me away to game. I would turn it down. Because I would feel like shit that took people's money Look, to go to a game. I know that it's their money and they can spend it like they want willingly. I just couldn't do it. I, I I mean, I just don't have that, I guess, ability in me. I would literally say, let's donate that to a Titans player's charity. Instead of giving me money to go to a game. Yes, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But I'm 34. I'll, I'll get to a playoff game, hopefully. Right. <laughs> at some point. Uh but let's donate to, that to charity. I, I'm a, I'm a grown ass man. I need to pay for my own way. If I, I guess let me put it this way: if if a Titans fan had reached out to me even privately on Twitter this week and said, "Hey, I would like to pay your way to go to Baltimore for whatever the reason was," I would turn it down because I just don't. I I have the means to go on my own, and I I don't want to. I just don't want to be a charity case like that because this is not, it's still a divisional round of the playoffs. That was still a wild card game. In other words, you still got two avenues to go. I, as a matter of fact, I had a chance to go last week to new England and I specifically didn't go because I didn't want, I, I knew I could only go to one postseason game realistically. Now right. if the Titans go to the Super Bowl. Within financial reason, oh, going. I'm going to find, I'll I'll find, find a way, way to go. go. I'll find but, a way to go by myself right, with, with my own means. Right, right, exactly. But I didn't want to kind of, I don't know how to say this without sounding crass, but I didn't want to just blow it all on going to New England and then the Titans go to the AFC Championship game or the Titans right. go to the Super Bowl or whatever it was, right? So that's why I chose to go to Baltimore because I'm like, I feel like this is a much more important game. It'd be much more fun to be there in person. I just don't, I don't, I don't want someone to pay my way. I, I just, I don't know. It's weird. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm weird like that, but I just, I, I just couldn't accept it. Like, let's, I couldn't hey, listen, either. let's find someone else that can't, that has never been to a Titans game or let's find a charity and let's donate that money. To charity. Yeah. You know, that's what I would do. You know, I, I can't speak with how people want to spend their money and I can't speak for people who take their money. It's just not something that I would do. <laughs> uh, no, that's weird. Um, but, you know what? Go Titans. Go Titans. Fuck Go yeah. Titans. We're not going to end on a Rat negative Birds. note. Fuck the Ratbirds. Yeah. Titans are going to get it done. I'm ready to fly to Baltimore, flying there Saturday morning. It's going to be a quick turnaround to be at the game that night, flying back Sunday. And here's to recording a podcast next week that's going to be a victory. Yeah. So, yeah. as always, thank you for tuning in. It's football and other F-words. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Pod. Please, wherever you found us for your podcast, rate, review, subscribe, leave us a nice little comment, maybe tell your friends about our production. If you enjoyed listening to it, let your, let your friends know, let your family know. Hey, I tune into this podcast called Football and Other F-Words. They're very weird. It takes them forever to get the podcast started. For Mr. Lebowski and your co-host, Zach Lyons, you've just been effed. <laughs>